0: i and crew ready right, shaking this head of me i am your host brett merriman uh on a lovely hot humid wonderful wednesday afternoon you're hearing this on a thursday to my right my lovely and glowing co-host sally DeFreeze. sally congratulations on thank kid you. number two on the way officially announced officially i'm so announced. happy for you guys thank you um how long have you been been withholding this from the mail-in
1: viewers? Uh, a few months. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. Yeah. And I felt like I, I feel like the baby number two. We're obviously excited. I also am kind of in a space where, like, I want some privacy, and not that I like am like trying to be a celebrity or an mm-hmm. influencer or anything that I'd like think I deserve privacy. But I also was like, who actually cares? Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, it's not I, I as exciting, it. but I felt like I needed to say something because eventually people are gonna. I'm getting too big to s- try <laughs> to hide it anymore.
0: <laughs> Pulling back the curtain here. Every time we would record uh, each week, before sitting down, Sally would just be like, "Do I look pregnant?" I, and I, 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 we, I knew she was pregnant, but I'd just be like, "No, you're good. Like you're you're you got the you're hiding it."
1: It's it's getting harder and harder to hide. Uh, yeah. The other issue is that. I not. I don't know how many people actually watch on YouTube, but because we do the clips, like I can't, it's just, it's too hard. Cat's out of the bag, of so to speak. The stomach is large. It, pregnancy is a, a joy. It's, it's not as exciting when it's this hot out. And I don't wanna complain because I'm very thankful to be healthy and pregnant. Um, it is so unbearably hot out.
0: I cannot imagine uh being being pregnant in this in this weather. Let alone being pregnant. I don't have the the luxury of that. In this weather, I cannot imagine being uncomfortable and just like not feeling 100%. I,
1: I don't even want to talk about the weather for that. We're going to hit it for really quick cuz people know. Okay. Texas is like in in March, you're like I live in the best state. Austin's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love it here. And then you just forget, you forget every summer. I'm assuming it's kind of the same way if you live like in Chicago and you like forget how terrible the winters are because mm, yes. you're like living it up in the summer and you're like, oh my God, the summer's amazing. It makes it worth it. And then you like forget that it snowed in April, you know? Yes, It's correct. the same, but opposite. Like right now we're like, I knew it was gonna be this bad.
0: Mm-hmm. I know, and we we but I sort just of chose to ignore it, <laughs> and we've sort of got lucky all spring in a way. Like it really didn't; the '90s kind of stayed away until the end of May, which was a first for me. And, and what really people forget the 90s and went right to is
1: that it's gonna stick around until probably October. Yeah,
0: October, it, it, which is the my. The, the, by the way, I've lived here since September of 2019. This is the hottest it's ever been for me. And and, and Austin in Austin like we set records for I
1: don't know, I think last summer was really hot. We just again forgot about it.
0: But like set the we set the record this year for hottest or highest heat index at 117. Yeah. Which is like absurd. And my biggest thing is that September in upstate New York is like crispy leaves changing, you're looking at like 55 for a high. It doesn't. It, it's it's months before it you're doesn't even that. dip below eighty till November. No, right. Which is like that period of time seeing upstate New York be my perfect temperature, which is somewhere between the high fifties to low sixties, and being here while it's still pushing ninety every day is the worst time of year for me. The
1: Randy, worst. you were shaking your head earlier when I said that. Texas summers are as oppressive as Chicago winters. Which do you think is worse? He's a shy guy. Producer
0: Mike's gotta go up. Chicago winters to me are way worse. I mean, I I would
1: argue the same. I think I don't, I could not survive in a winter setting
0: they're fine you can always bundle up you can't take layers off that's the that's the age-old argument i'm still going
1: out when it's 90 degrees at night here but if it's negative like 10 in chicago no one's
0: going out to the bars right okay you you go out and you just everybody hunkers down in one bar you don't move at all which i love oh give me winter over this one billion percent of the time i love it here
1: okay anyway well, randy's clearly like a summer lizard he is situation. He,
0: he is a lizard you know he goes outside during the day to quote warm up because it gets too cold in here he just walks I, outside i
1: also get that because you work like in like an hospital, or though when it's like freezing i will go out to my car at lunch in my full-blown like scrubs also being pregnant i've like switched what i'm wearing and i basically wear like a a lululemon like long sleeve tech material shirt and then like scrub pants mm-hmm. and i'll go out in that and my jacket and just sit in my hot ass car like i and like, don't, don't feel my hands right now. like let oh, my body temperature go back to like a, a regular like 98.6 because it's been like i i've been like freezing my ass off but that's you know
0: that's or you have to keep it cool yeah. Here, our, we keep it like seventy two, seventy three, and Randy still just can't function.
1: Randy, you got to start like bringing like – just get like a Snuggie. Remember Snuggies? No. Okay. Well, let's just move on. We don't need to talk about the weather anymore. We don't. No one cares. We do
0: need to talk about the questions, though, and if you want to ask a question, please write into the mail-in, washmedia.com slash mail in or subscribe on iTunes, follow on Spotify, or hit the hotline number 888 362 M-A-I-L, that is 888-362-6245. Right at the link to the Twitter bio, like I mentioned, or hit up the store if you would like, washmedia.shop and hit up the YouTube to see our lovely faces in 9 k slash mail in podcast. Sally,
1: do
0: you wanna lead off today?
1: I'll, I'll read the first one.
0: Let's Let's dive in.
1: I wanna pose a question to y'all that came up in couples therapy with my husband. When you get married, do you also marry your spouse's family? All the tribal attributes and attitudes, traditions, and everything that comes with it included. Um,
0: As a non-married person, I'm going to take a stab at this one. But I feel like you can add more color to it. But I think you do and you don't. Yeah, You do in the way that you don't have to, just like your own family you don't have to agree with everything the other family perhaps stands for, believes in practices, traditions, etc. but you do, you, you are married like by law and through the covenant of marriage, like you guys are connecting your families as mm-hmm. more than friends. So you may not agree with everything. You may not believe in everything, but you do have to respect everything. And, 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 in my opinion give it the old college try yeah like especially if your spouse is 100 committed to those things as well you have to respect it and you i, I think you have to make the effort to participate and and be uh, be a part of it i think you're you know i i see where this person's coming from i'm one happy you're going to couples therapy that's awesome and just hitting the ground running there that's great uh but are you going to agree with everything? Are you going to love Nana's casserole? Maybe not.
1: Yeah, I think I for us, and I think a lot of people now, it's like when you get married, you are starting your own family unit. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's just you and your partner and you don't have kids or whatever. But like when you unify your life with someone you get to choose how you're going to live your life. And if you want to do that completely separate of either of your families, that's totally fine. Um, I think most people will do like a mixture of Mm -hmm. kind of both. Um, I, I know speaking for myself and for will like you, we came in with like what we wanted out of a family and out of a marriage and what we believed, you know, like, we were gonna how we were gonna raise our children and what our religious beliefs and political mm-hmm. beliefs are. But like you said, you still, if you're planning on spending time around your family, you need to respect their, you know, quote attitudes and traditions attributes and, and
0: tribal tendencies. Yeah.
1: Um. It. This is always. It's difficult for people because. Also, I think even the, like, picking who's going to go where at which holiday is hard. Oh,
0: don't no doubt.
1: Because once you start adding other people in, like, we've got Will's sister and her husband, and then I'm one of five, and it's, like, hard to get everyone lined up together. It's hard to not upset my – I mean, my mom gets really upset when we don't spend holidays with her, and I'm like, we we owe it to both families. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Oh,
0: well, You got a lot of spots to hit.
1: And then I think, too – you get to the point like eventually i mean we're lucky because we live a lot of my family lives in austin but if we were living by ourselves there might be a point how i was when we were kids that like we just stayed by ourselves for holidays like Mm -hmm. people could come to us but it was like we're not traveling to illinois or to north texas to go to a holiday you can come to us there's five kids here. We're not Mm -hmm. leaving. Um, so that's always a little difficult. I think the traditions thing, I think it's important to like, if your spouse comes in with a tradition that they really want to keep up, it's like, try to honor that. But at the same time, you don't have to feel bad for not having a tradition or not keeping a tradition that didn't really mean a lot to you or doesn't anymore. Uh, Mm -hmm. I, again, this goes back to holidays. Like we, You know, this is a great one for you. My mom, when we were growing up, always had the snow village. The Christmas Ah, village. Love that. But then it kind of like, and that was like a thing her mom did. Mm -hmm. And their family did. Like all my aunts have them. And then it was like less important to my mom because it was like getting it out was such a hassle that it's like kind of died and then it kind of died with her. And so it's not something that I'm like, oh, we have to do this. But if if you marry someone, you better be doing the damn snow village
0: yeah i i my my snow village is going nowhere
1: right, so I mean that that's probably that seems like minute in the uh, who's gonna go against a snow village honestly, but mm-hmm. like you know what I'm saying you there are traditions that are okay to keep doing there's a traditions that you may not agree with that make your spouse happy that you're like, cool, we can do that, and then there's stuff that you can forge together, like mm-hmm. this is how we are gonna do things this is where we wanna. You know, spend our time and our money. I think a big thing that people struggle with, especially the first few years of marriage, is where do they spend their holidays, and are they going on family vacations?
0: Mm, Okay, because interesting.
1: I think one thing that our family is starting to realize is we usually used to take like one big family trip, and now that there's kids in the mix, it's kind of like okay, well, I'm don't know if i want to spend like my pto and all my money going on a trip with like my family i would rather go on a trip with like
0: your little me and your Will unit yes yeah. you know
1: yeah that becomes you don't have to decide everything before you get married though is what i'm saying no like,
0: it's it's something you can work on and, and as you should work on and grow with and evolve and right. like i think it's it's a cool it's a fun opportunity to to have is kind of feeling out your own traditions and maybe you do a thanksgiving at home with just the, the three or or four of you potentially right. and you know it's like oh that's we like doing that that's going to become a tradition and now you have to tell nana and pop-up that hey we're we're not going to be here there this year we're doing our own thing right and like that's just life is a series of those uh decisions compromises and decisions made. yeah
1: i think the one thing where this becomes Like a decision that you need to make early on in marriage or before you get married is like a religion thing. Absolutely, yeah. If you're marrying, like someone who like being a Jew is like very important to them, marrying a Jew, so like you need to convert to Judaism. Like that's like a whole different situation than correct. Yeah. Oh, like we may go to your Presbyterian church on Christmas, even though I grew up Methodist. Mm -hmm. Like changing religions. I think that's, that's one thing that you've got to discuss before marriage. Like, is this something I'm willing to convert to? Mm -hmm. Is your family going to be cool if, if I don't convert, I had an aunt who converted to Judaism. Mm -hmm. My cousins, they all live outside of Chicago. Like that was very well, like before, obviously before they got married, but like did it. Everything's great. Uh, But I, I'm sure when they're making those decisions, like. I have no idea if that upset my grandparents or not. Probably they didn't care. <laughs> yeah. But like, I mean they definitely don't care now. Yeah. Um figuring out like those like especially I think it's I think it's easy when you're marrying someone who's like from your same background, but if you're marrying someone who's like from a totally different culture, it's it's almost your responsibility to like learn about what their whole situation it's you know what i'm saying yeah just enough to be respectful and like observe their tradition you don't have to like fully partake in everything Mm -hmm. but if i was marrying someone from a totally different culture country etc i would be like okay like we're gonna dive in i'm gonna like i might not be able to assimilate myself completely but let's like try to be respectful of what's going on hundred
0: percent it's it's a respect thing it's a it's an empathy thing. It's like a mutual understanding of where each other grew up or are coming from culturally. Like and it's sort of an opportunity. I think that's what marriage helps do in general, is it's a it's a journey, right? And it's a series of decisions and it's a series, it's it's you're all consistently and always learning about each other. And that's that includes family. Like you are joining two families to to make another, basically, right? Yeah. And and I think that there's something special about that. So yeah, you do marry your spouse's family. Like I said, you don't have to agree with every single detail of everything, but the respect factor is 100% where you have to start building that on.
1: The last thing I wanna add is I think it's really important when you're having these conversations pre-marriage like they are to very much make it, make your wishes known of like, hey, we are gonna marry each other, we're gonna start our own traditions, we're happy to respect your family, et cetera, but like your mother's opinion Mm -hmm. or your sister's like thoughts or your whatever family members, like most, you know, your dad's political views, whatever it may be, like are not gonna dictate every single thing we do. And that that was something that Will and I talked about a lot because my family is here. They have a huge influence on my life. Mm-hmm. And Will loves my family, but he's like, we are going to do our own thing and we're not going to do every single thing that your mother tells us that we have to do. Yep. Totally. Um, and I think when people have issues with their in-laws, it's because they didn't discuss beforehand like, hey, we're going to have some boundaries and like love your mom, but we're going we're gonna to keep our lives separate. She's not going to like dictate how we live our lives.
0: Yeah, Totally. I think I'm, gonna, I'm just going gonna, gonna to leave it. There's a lot of things that like it's school is an example there and religion right. and Christmas tradition. Like there's a lot that you can get in the weeds on there. I think communicate and res- be respectful. Right. and At the very least, discuss like a, a civil and discussion and be open. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe your family is vegetarian, for example, Sally, and wants to raise your kid completely vegetarian. Nothing wrong with that. But if they're not, boy, do I have something for you. Butcher
1: Box. Wow, Wait, maybe you just go f- full m- 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 carnivore.
0: carnivore. Carnivore, omnivore, Ca- carnivore diet—just just, just full on meat all the time.
1: That there was a name for that though. Wasn't Isn't it the there?
0: Atkins diet?
1: No, it's not the Atkins. There's like, I feel like Kate Middleton did it when she oh was my like, gosh. Very, like literally, like only ate meat, like not even like a vegetable.
0: We are certainly not endorsing that. We're not method. endorsing that. Neither does Butcher I Box. I think you
1: should be an omnivore and you should have like great organic produce and then mm. like great organic grass-fed meat
0: perhaps like, high quality cuts of meat uh, yeah. like beef seafood pork scallops which probably falls under seafood but you know what i mean yeah lobster tails how about that
1: also seafood
0: also seafood i see food and i eat food Sally, and that's what butcher box can help me do because butcher box has made life easy high quality meat and seafood you can trust 100 percent grass-fed beef Free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. It's all humanely raised, Randy. No antibiotics or added hormones. Plus, it's delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping always. Sal, do you know you can customize your box? I do know that. You can get curated. that You can get the, with their selections, which are, which are great but you can customize that.
1: I personally prefer them to select for me. So it's like a little surprise, mm. but I also don't like meal plan ahead of time. And if I uh, were a little bit more organized, I probably would choose my own box. You know what I'm saying? Go. Like you're thinking ahead of like, had I, had I thought of head mm-hmm. and chose my own box, I would have like done a full 4th of July situation. Spread. How
0: about that? Good idea. Good, idea. next year. Next year. Next year. Labor day. There you go. Labor Day. Perfect. If you want your Butcher botch for Labor Day or sooner or later, we get, we're giving you a special deal. Here's the thing. Sign up today at ButcherBotch.com slash mail-in and use code mail-in to get New York strips for a year plus $20 off your first order. That is ButcherBotch.com slash mail-in and use code mail-in to claim this deal. Free steak for a year new york strips can't, can't beat that it's a great beginner's steak to cook hard to mess up easy to make pretty good yeah and you get it for free for a year butcherbox.com mail in and code mailin. let's go to the next one hi sally and brett i need some advice from sal gal on flying with a kid quick background info before the questions my daughter will be 11 months at the time my husband and i will both be there Direct flights do not exist, so there will be a layover. Uh, Chicago, probably Midway, if it matters. Randy, do you have a Midway versus uh, O'Hare?
1: Not really, but I think in general,
0: people like Midway over O'Hare. All right, that's what I've heard, too. Uh, and both flights will be around an hour, assuming no delays. Three parts to my question. Sally, one, is there a best time of day to travel with a kid, or is it just kind of shitty no matter what? Two, is it better to have a short layover and be rushed or get a long layover and have to entertain her but be less rushed? And three, any tips you have on entertainment? Note, I'm not against using a tablet, but she doesn't really have the attention span yet and will not wear
1: headphones. Okay. I'm gearing up for a flight with Fritz. We haven't flown with him since Christmas. Okay. Now he's two. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually anticipating it to go a little bit better because he does he can, look at a head, at, at a tablet,
0: can tablet in,
1: and will wear headphones. Okay. So I'm Big. thinking that Big. if we keep him from watching Moana for like the next three weeks, when we finally let him watch Moana again, mm. or Home Alone, or Paddington, he will be like so psyched he'll just like it fully. It's into totally it. silent. Um we are in a, we are always in a similar situation when we fly to Michigan there's no direct flight that we can take. Um here's what's worked for us. You know your kid best. Here personally is what worked for us. First of all, my sweet spot for like they're good flying mm-hmm. is up until 9 months. Anything after that when they like become aware and they can crawl or walk becomes really shitty until they can get back into the spot where they will be entertained by an iPad for hours. Mm -hmm. Um, So 11 months, unfortunately, is like right in the dab, smack dab in the middle of that like shitty time. So just be prepared for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Number one, always flying in the morning for us was better. I always thought if we flew in the afternoon, I was like, maybe he'll nap or even go to sleep. That never was the case. He could never like get comfortable and nap. So flying in the morning, I was like, I would rather fly in the morning and then him nap on arrival and be late to the nap. But usually they're okay. they're not like so overtired that they're pissed off. Mm. That has what been what we've run into when we fly at night is like, I'm like, okay, he'll go to sleep, but then he just can't focus or go to sleep. And then we spend three hours of him being overtired. So morning flights are better for me. Even if it's, like, ass crack of dawn, way better than, like, flying at 5 p.m. Also, in general, just across the board, I personally prefer traveling in the morning, even when we're without Fritz, because Mm -hmm. I think there's less chance of flight delays...
0: Like oh, give me the delays. Give me the adventure. Yeah. <laughs> like, give me the give me the extra night. Like people, to be like, sorry. People flight, are fresh.
1: People are happy. Yeah. They haven't like been through the whole 10 hours of their day already and it's 5 p.m. and they're just fucking done. So mm-hmm. I personally think fly in the morning if you can do that in general. Mm-hmm. Fly in the morning on the way there because you get there early. Fly in the morning on the way back because you do not want to spend all your day dreading the flight i know we have different we do we'll
0: we'll go to mail-in court over that
1: okay um number two connection wise i have also found way easier to have a short ass connection than to have a long one um even if you're even if you're sprinting from one gate to the other first of all people will take pity on you because you have a kid Mm -hmm. and they'll move out of your way or make accommodations for you and number two uh It is way easier. I mean, when we fly to Michigan, we'll have like short, like I'm talking 42 minute layovers in Detroit, which is literally like you land the plane, you get off the plane, you go to your next gate, you board and you're on the flight. And that
0: that can be a hike too because you're going, you're going from the main terminal a lot of the times to that Delta connecting terminal. Yeah. And granted you have to go through the trippy psychedelic, uh, underground hallway, but it's, it's, uh. It can be hard.
1: Yeah, even t- it, just it's better because they don't have time. You don't have time to stop, do shit. Usually, you have time just enough to like go to the bathroom, change a diaper, mm-hmm. and get the hell out of there. Sure. Uh, we've one time even like Will went ahead, and I like changed Fritz's diaper, and he like mm. boarded the plane before I even got on. It was like my wife's coming with my kid. Just
0: make sure we get there.
1: Yeah, I'm not kidding. That is your friend. In my opinion. We, Mm -hmm. on the way home from Michigan last summer, had a two and a half hour layover in Detroit. It was hell. It wasn't hell, but it was like way easier to do the short thing, because we had to like, we went and ate at P.F. Chang's. And then after we did that, we were like, what do we do now for an hour? While we like have to entertain him. And he like wants to just sprint all over the place. We like set up a little play area by some chairs that no one was at the gate. And he still was just like running to run and like be on the moving sidewalk. So... Mm. I think I it's it. easier to just wrangle a kid for twenty minutes than it is to wrangle them for two hours. Fair. Uh, what was the last question? Okay, Enter- entertainment. T- entertainment. Bring an iPad. Download whatever shows she's currently into. Coco Melon was like our thing back then. But what what somebody told me, and what I, has worked the best for me, is. First of all, get on like Pinterest or Instagram or something, and like watch all these people's like in flight activities and then bring a bag and bring like a thousand different things to do, yeah, someone actually recommended one time to go to the dollar store and buy a bunch of toys and then individually wrap them so that they just spend oh. time unwrapping kids. and
0: it's like all new stuff, and you can like toss the stuff that you yeah. yeah, 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 so
1: the eleven okay. month age is like their attention span each activity is going to be 2 to 5 minutes mm-hmm. and if you're on an hour flight you got to have at the very least 20 activities. Oh my gosh. Or 10 that you can repeat. Yeah. You know. Uh we found Fritz really likes watching videos of himself. Oh, interesting. Like more so <laughs> than like he's just very just narcissistic. <laughs> uh than like Checking watching a movie. Form. Yeah. And so we would show him videos of himself. So oh, I just made cool. sure I had all those downloaded from the cloud. Uh, we did like – there's like stickers you can put on the window. Anyway, just find cheap-ass activities from like a dollar store, buy 10 to 20 of them, and then just circle those around. Interesting. Okay. Bring way more snacks than you think is necessary.
0: Hmm. Perhaps like charcuterie for <laughs>
1: Perhaps a charcuterie, perhaps a wine tasting. Uh, so many more than you think is necessary. I'm talking five different types of bags of chips or crackers or whatever it is. Because that can be an activity in itself. Yes. Eating a bag of Pirate's Booty is an activity. Mm-hmm. Then you bring the grapes in a bag. Then you bring the yogurt pouch. Um, I personally, again, traveling with a toddler, like, think it's kind of necessary to bring your own, like, milk etc. What we did with Fritz and even if you're not breastfeeding, no one's going to question it, is I would put store milk in bags okay. and his cup and bring it in a cooler. Yeah. I was at 11 months, but um, say you're breastfeeding and then it's breast milk and they're not going to give you any
0: issues. Yeah, like TSA kind also, of stuff. Also,
1: you can freeze yogurt and stuff and by the time they actually need to eat it, it'll be frozen on the plant, or it'll have thawed out and they don't give you near as much flack when it's frozen than if it's like at uh, Liquid. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, And the biggest thing for kids is the reason they get really upset, especially when taking off and really when landing, is their ears are popping. Mm. So we, Fritz would always, like 20 minutes before we would land, his, he would just start screaming. And I'd be like, what's going on? And then literally... He would do that, and then five minutes later, they would announce we're descending, and my ears would pop. So I think he just did it earlier than mine. Interesting. So yeah. see if you yeah, can yeah. kind of time that and like give him something to suck on, chew on. Yeah. Drink. How does
0: it? Do, how does it? Does a baby know to pop their ear? Like, no. It, okay. So
1: you have to. That what they suggest is during takeoff and landing to give them like a bottle or something to swallow, swallow. to help. them. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: That man, that's good info. That's the, like stuff that I just. I don't have that yet.
1: And then this is my last. This is my last. The best thing you can do is invest in a travel stroller. So if you- Like all
0: the one-hander ones that you can almost put like with a button, it just goes yeah. So
1: we had a Duna was his car Mm -hmm. seat, which is a car seat stroller. And we would travel with that. You can gate check it. So we would literally like, also, if you're flying Southwest, um, if there are extra seats on the plane, then you can bring- the car seat onto the plane and put it in the seat.
0: Oh, cool. You probably just have have to ask, I would assume. You have to ask.
1: Okay. Um, If not, gate check it, Duna is life and everyone should have a Duna. But if you don't have a Duna, we have a Jules Air, which was kind of expensive. I think other people have a baby Zen yo-yo. Both kind of expensive, but like a really lightweight travel stroller that like you said, literally like pops down, it's Mm -hmm. eight pounds and it can fit in the overhead bin. Gotcha. So I found that easier to bring along with us than like hauling the whole thing. Like, yeah.
0: I, I, you see the people that are just hauling stuff, and you're like, oh man. That's, a lot that's of like people a, you know, though,
1: too, and we never did this with Fritz because he wasn't into it. But like baby wear, where you put them on, like in the kangaroo pouch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. And basically just wear um, them. That's really nice because you have use of your hands, especially if you're traveling alone, because mm-hmm. then you don't oh, have yeah. to be. Yes. Doing stuff. That's all my travel tips.
0: That is, Sally, that might have been the most information you've ever delivered on a question.
1: <laughs> we have done it a lot. <laughs> I have figured out, I mean, and every every time is a new time. So I'm sure I'm going to like say all this. And then when we travel to Michigan in a month, it's going to all be up. Totally go.
0: Uh, Let's do the next one.
1: Oh, this is me. Okay, hold on. I can do it too if you, if you no, want. No, no. Let me pull it back up. Okay.
0: I think it's Her- actually me.
1: It, oh, it is you? No. I don't know. Go it's ahead. It's my turn. Go ahead. For context, did we miss a part of this question? I think you just
0: started with like, hey, guys.
1: Hey, guys. For context, I'm 30 getting married next year. I was thinking of who I would invite to my bachelor party, and I'm currently at 26 guys. Woof. Nearly every guy invited to the wedding from my side will be invited to the bachelor party if I do this. I spent my whole life in Atlanta up until moving to LA last year and have always prided myself on being a loyal friend who keeps everyone connected. As a result, I am very close to my college friends, high school friends, childhood slash family friends, and some others made along the way. I talk to all these guys in various group texts every single day, some I am obviously closer with than others. My actual groomsmen party will be around eight to nine guys. The issue is if I cut out one or two quote fringe friends from each group, just for the sake of a smaller party, I'd really be hurting those guys feelings and it'd be awkward in each group. It's not that I don't like those guys, they would just be the ones that I'd cut if it came to that. I want all my close friends to be there and realize that I am lucky to even have had so many close friends at this point in my life, but this feels excessive and will make it difficult for bachelor party planning. For the bachelor party, I'd like to just rent a beach house somewhere more relaxed, unlike Vegas or Mexico, so that I can actually spend time with everyone rather than people disappearing to different clubs and casinos in Vegas, for example. Do I need to cut people out or just embrace all the bros? Thanks.
0: Okay. I got a couple (laughs) thoughts here. So, right off the rip. One, if you invite 26 people, there is not a chance in hell that all 26 can make that weekend work.
1: That's correct.
0: So, Take a few off the top to be, say it's, say, but then say you get down to 20. That is still excessive. I think in this podcast and other podcasts in the Wash Media Network, we've sort of come to the conclusion that like 12 to 16, 16 media on the high end, 12 is a pretty good sweet spot because you can get everybody at one table for a reservation. You can get everybody in three foursomes for golf. You can get everybody in one 15 seat party bus, for example like you the logistics become easier right around that that 12 mark yeah is sort of the sweet spot now i get it because for this question i actually went through i was like if i was at a bachelor party tomorrow how many could i get up to my answer if i was like invited everybody that i was like you know what i'm friends with them enough to go on a bachelor party with it's 29. i have 29 guys that i would invite that obviously won't happen right but i think it, it's one of those things where i get where you're coming from that you want your boys there it's the one weekend you're gonna do but 26 is too many you can't get reservations you'd have to start splitting people up into groups it will split up into groups regardless of that number so here's what i think you do i think you take that core groomsmen group and maybe get to 12 to 14 to 16. Mm-hmm. that being said take your maybe your hometown group your high school boys. And do something in your hometown specifically with them, or wherever the, the most of them live, or or maybe it's your LA friends that you currently have that you would like newly invite to your bachelor party, and maybe you just do a sort of a night out. Hey, this is my local bachelor party. We're not we're not going crazy. We're just doing a little night here. That way you can kind of knock that number down initially, but you can't. Twenty six is too many.
1: Correct. Uh, I I fully agree with you. I'm going to say some things here having the wisdom that I had in my twenties, now mm-hmm. having my 30s that I didn't have in my 20s. I agree with you. Had you asked me when I was 26, 27, who I would invite to my bachelorette party, mm-hmm. I would have probably listed 30 people. Mm-hmm. At that age, I planned a bachelorette party for 20-something people to Cabo. Um, it went fine, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of people. And you like you said i mean we were able to get reservations places but i had like literally planned it months in advance and it should be said that anytime you go over like six you're you're doing the like you're getting a prefix menu no one no one's ordering off the menu a la cart whatever
0: gotcha yep. anytime
1: you do a dinner like that um we did it 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 was like you said when you have that many people, no one's all hanging out in a group. Everyone's splitting up into whatever their groups were, mm-hmm. so we had like we were her college friends, she had her high school friends, she had some cousins, like all of those were in different crews. Um, you also are not you don't have the time to hang out with twenty six people no, not at all in a in a meaningful way, and then you feel bad, I think. What people don't realize until they are the groom or the bride themselves is like, oh, I just like, I want to spend time with all my friends and I I, I want this to be a vacation for them and not for me. Mm-hmm. And I want everyone to get to know each other so that we are all friends before the wedding. None of those things ever happen. And a lot of times you as the bride or groom feel responsible for making sure people are having a good time and making sure you're spending time with quality time with everyone and you just lack the bandwidth to do that. Yes. When you reach that many people. Like you said, 12, even for girls, is a better number because you can make dinner reservations. You can get a car or two suburbans that can take you everywhere. Uh 26 people, you're full blown like getting a school bus or you're getting two like sprinter vans. Two of
0: the sprinter vans, yeah.
1: Um and it just logistically makes everything a nightmare like it paying for stuff following up with i mean even when you go on one with 12 people following up with the one person who didn't pay for the house yet is like a pain in the ass
0: and with 26 people you better be staying at a hotel you mentioned a a beach house in mexico uh 26 guys like even if they are 22 years old there's not a couch for everybody there. Right. Like it,
1: Most houses that – and I have done that a lot of times too. When when we went on the 20-person one, we stayed at a hotel. Her yeah, parents gotta, paid for everyone's oh, that's cool. hotel room, mm-hmm. um, which was super generous and nice. Yeah. Um, and we were like in groups of four, I think. Um, at that point, you're not even going to find a house that has 10 bedrooms. Like mm-hmm. those are – that's like the very – furthest of the spectrum that you can get that like maybe sleeps 18. Right. Um, so you're not you're not finding a nice house. And if you are, you're finding like two houses that are next to each other on freaking cinnamon shore or wherever. Mm-hmm. Like I I understand that you want to spend time with your friends. There's two options in my opinion. I agree with you. You take the groomsman only. I think what people forget is that bachelor parties Used to just be the wedding party, and now yeah. people extend it. used to be it. The,
0: like the Thursday before or the Friday right. before. Yeah,
1: people extend it because they're like, "Oh, like come, this will be fun," um which is true. Number one, it used to just be the wedding party, and that's okay to just invite the wedding party. They're your wedding party for a reason.
0: Also, a good way to make the excuse here for, for right. the guys that are not invited to the bachelor party, or if, if you need to cut down that number to eight nine, maybe you have then you have 10 with yourself, you're like, hey, I'm just doing the bachelor party as the grooms Right. People, grooms I people.
1: think we have gotten away from that, and I think there's a a reason to go back to that. Number two, I don't want to sound insensitive. If people have their feelings that hurt by not being invited to a bachelor or bachelorette party That's their own issue and not yours. I get it if you invite 25 people and then you leave one dude out. Yeah. But truly, like the 10 people that you're not inviting, 10 to 12 people you're not inviting are like, if this is affecting their life or your relationship that much, they have their own issues to deal with.
0: What's our one thing we say with weddings? Don't think about other people's feelings.
1: Number three for me is, If you're not willing to sit down and have like a full blown hour long, like deep dive life conversation with one of these people, do they need to be on it? I think people make decisions. Like, I know for a fact that my brother in law Drew did this. He's like, Well, I have to invite this person because everyone else on this group text is going except for this one dude,
0: Mm, which
1: does make it awkward. But like, if they're all groomsmen and that guy's not, that's an
0: easy out. Yeah,
1: it, it is what it is. But like we can't be inviting people based on what our group texts are. And I know that that's kind of what he's doing here. And I know that that's what Drew did. And that's what is really hard in your like late 20s when you have like probably the most friends you'll ever have mm-hmm. is like eliminating people. But at the same time, you really got to think ahead of like, am I going to be friends with 26 people in five years? Probably not. Um, my final suggestion. Hear me out. I always say this: Go back to the the day before the wedding. Maybe not rehearsal dinner do a, night.
0: Just do the, do do the Thursday
1: night. Do the Thursday night. Honestly, Will was the best man for a guy who wanted to invite like twenty people, and they just literally did golf thirty six holes on the mm-hmm. Thursday before the wedding, and then went and like had a big like cookout. Boom! And I he, don't hate they that. just did a scramble at a club somewhere. Then you
0: can go like thirty people and it's all everybody's there for the wedding anyway and, and then if they're you can not make it put out because drink.
1: you didn't like ask them to travel for your wedding and for the bachelor party
0: there you go how about that
1: you don't have to invite i know i have always said this like you want the people at your wedding to be people you're close with so that those are the people that matter those are people you want around you on your big day but they don't also have to be so close to you that they need to be invited to the bachelor party and i think as we have gone in this direction of being connected with everyone at the same time i was the same way like if you would have asked me i remember having this conversation like eight years ago with a girlfriend being like i would literally have 16 girls at my wedding mm-hmm. and now i would have like three, <laughs> three and, sisters, and, and it's not well yeah exactly and it's not that i don't i'm not friends with any of those people no, it's i'm still different. close with all of them yeah but i also like priorities have changed
0: correct you know? I get it. I totally get it.
1: So I I'm just saying this from a look at it, try to look at it from another perspective. But I I totally get it because I was there. Everyone has been there. Um, if you want to do 26, do 26. I'm just telling you, it's gonna be a bitch for you and your best man to plan.
0: Very much so. I, I love the Thursday idea. Then you can, like then you get Uncle Jim involved, yeah, Uncle Mike involved. They they want to rip it up. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, if you uh, let us know what you end up doing because I'm Congrats on your nuptials. Congrats, yeah. Uh, I got I to talk about Squarespace, though, because we built Watch Media upon Squarespace, the platform. So this podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online, whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand. Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, Randy, from products to content to time. All in one place, all on your terms. Squarespace, Sally, is uh, your husband Will is familiar with it? He built He's the brand with Scaries upon yes. Squarespace. We built Watch Media on Squarespace. For example, uh, when you submit a question to the mail-in. You're doing it via Squarespace, and Squarespace can work for you as well. Uh, you can get analytics once you make your uh, make your site. Use insights to grow your business. Learn where your site visits and sales are coming from, and analyze which channels are most effective. Improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or your most popular products and content. Uh, they also have blogging tools. When I write columns for Wash Media, I'm getting the itch, by the way. I wanna write again. Yeah. Are you familiar with my column Damn Sally? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, well, they have blogging tools over at Squarespace. Uh, allows you to share stories, photos, videos, and updates, categorize, share, and schedule your posts to make your content work for you. They also do email campaigns. With email campaigns, you can drive sales and engage your audience with Squarespace. Easily collect and uh, email subscribers on your site And build connections and repeat business through regular email updates introduce your brand to new subscribers with welcome emails announce an upcoming sale or send your top customers a discount code built-in analytics measure the impact of every send big fan of email campaign so if you have a brand or you want to start something you maybe you maybe you not quite ready yet to launch a business or a company but squarespace can put all your ideas in one spot to build your brand to build your company to build your idea so head to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch go to squarespace.com mail in to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or a domain uh sally ready for this one yeah that's you i need the 411 on botox I'm currently considering it, but worried about staying consistent with it, the cost of it, and bad results. Any and all info or experiences is appreciated. Mm -hmm. Let's start Botox.
1: Have you had Botox? Never,
0: I have not. Not that I'm anti, Uh, I don't really know what I would do. I don't really know how it would affect me, but I've seen plenty of people with Botox, filler botox it's whatever it is and we've kind of discussed this on the mail-in before but if you're into that sort of thing i think a little in the right spots it looks awesome
1: yeah okay uh i have botox i have not had it since before i got pregnant
0: is it like a when you're pregnant you're not supposed you're not
1: to... supposed to get it when you're pregnant or breastfeeding mm-hmm. which kind of sucks <sighs> For me. Interesting. Uh, there's there's a lot of things you can't do when you're pregnant. Um, okay. For me, Botox, I probably started in my late twenties. I I don't even personally know what like the best age to start in. Um some people say like you can start around then and then you just have to like upkeep it some people say wait for me i started when i like had noticeable forehead lines that were starting to bother me
0: is that the like let's bring it down to somebody ignorant like myself botox is anti wrinkles anti-lines correct for your face Well,
1: because it's freezing your muscles so it's keeping you from raising your okay. forehead. Oh, interesting. To it and a level that would cause a crease in your forehead, got a it. wrinkle. Okay. Most people who are going to get botox are going to get it in their forehead and mm-hmm. then their glabellar region, which is the area between your eyes. So keeping you from doing this. Yeah. Okay?
0: Gotcha. Like the squinty. Yeah. yeah, got
1: it. Because the 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 lines that most people are concerned about are your forehead wrinkles and then what they call the 11's lines, these lines right here that people get yep. from squinting. Um Most, I would say, 80% of people are just getting Botox there. Mm -hmm. Once you have started having Botox or you're noticing wrinkles, people get them in the corner of their eyes, like crow's feet, to keep you from doing that. Sure. Some people, some women and men get it above their upper lip to what's called a lip flip that helps ah. your upper lip look a little bit bigger and keep your smile from being really gummy so if you smile like this you can see your gums mm. if you put botox it relaxes that muscle and has less of a gummy smile got it okay so it's really about what your goal is like okay do you and then like i know people who get botox in their jocks they've got tmj that helps them sure um, what's your goal? Like, if, are you having just like one forehead line that's like really annoying you? Probably you can get away with Botox a couple times a year mm-hmm. just in your forehead. And is
0: this something you can go sort of get a, a consult on? Like, yes. hey, I, I don't necessarily like this or I have a goal to be this. Or is it like you don't, it's not like a haircut where you're bringing a picture of Sarah Michelle Geller or whatever. And like, I want to look like her. That's not Rachel. how. how
1: yeah. Um. Yes. Most of the time you can consult and you're like, do your consult and get Botox that same day. Okay. Here's what I'll say. I personally feel like people who are administering administering Botox should be medical professionals. So I'm talking Mm. a doctor or a nurse Mm -hmm. or a physician's assistant. Okay. Like MD, NP, DO, PA, et cetera. They have some sort of medical degree. Okay. Um I would I would personally if it was my first time probably go to like a plastic surgeon or a dermatologist and even if you're seeing like the nurse or the PA there and go that route versus going the aesthetic wellness space. Okay. I now see a nurse at an aesthetic spa yep. um, that's run by a doctor and the nurses, the nurse, they're nurse injectors. Gotcha. But you want, in my opinion, you are, and I, I know that I like get the hardo medical like rap here, but you are injecting a toxin into your face. You want someone who has been trained and you have to be trained. You have mm-hmm. to go get a certification, but you want someone who understands the ramifications of what they're doing. If they are injecting something in your face, near blood vessels, in muscles, Mm etc., Um, I think that's even more important when you do fillers because very, very bad things can happen when you inject fillers and somebody who knows how to respond to the emergency of like a filler going into a vessel is very important because otherwise you can have some major damage done. Okay. Yeah, and I, I don't, I say that knowing that like anybody could probably, like a monkey could probably administer Botox, honestly. Mm-hmm. You could probably teach yourself to do it on YouTube. But does that mean that you want that? You okay. know what I'm saying? Or at
0: least the first, you know, yeah. somebody you're not comfortable with, I-, I gotcha.
1: Also, I think it's important. The first girl that I ever went to, like, put way more than I needed. Mm, okay. Um, which, Ended up being fine. I was young. I My face was frozen for like three months. But I, the next person I went to was at a dermatologist's office. She was a PA. I went to her for a long time. And she was very conservative. I think that that is a little bit more important to find, especially if it's your first time, you don't really know what you want, is to go to someone who, who's conservative, who's going to say, we'll start with this.
0: So do you get their political survey first?
1: <laughs> yeah. We're going to start with this amount. And then you're going to come back in two weeks. And ah, if like you have... That if you want more, we can always add more. You can always add more. You cannot take away. So those are the things you're looking for when you're talking to somebody is that they're not going to be like, okay, we're going to do your fore Like most of the time you go in, you're going to be like, this is what bothers me. They're going to say, okay, let's take some pictures. You're going to like contort your face in a bunch of ways. And they're going to be like, we're going to do your forehead and your glabella and we're going to leave everything else alone.
0: Yeah. I like that approach. Like we can always add more.
1: You can always add more. Yeah. Um, a lot of times they want to stay away from your eyebrows because if you get too close to your eyebrows, it causes your eyebrows to droop. <laughs> you don't want that.
0: There's the thumbnail, Randy. Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: and then just I honestly crowdsource this. Ask your friends who've gotten Botox. Like, where do you go? Do you like them? Most of my friends at this point, we're all in our 30s, have like gone to multiple people and are like, "Oh, we I love this girl." Like, gotcha. So finding someone and usually. <sighs> caveat like i think it's always nice to get a deal okay a lot of times places will run like summer deals where they botox you pay for per unit or disport is another one um and so a lot of times it'll be like it's ten dollars unit versus twelve dollars unit and that will help save some money um but i wouldn't again if it was my first time wouldn't go deal hunting if you've never done it before and you don't know what you want got it okay uh other things to note usually you have to do it it wears off between like three and six months Mm -hmm. so if you are trying for the upkeep and usually the more you do it the more like muscle memory you have i guess Mm, interesting i have been told it's easier to like upkeep that versus like i'm gonna now probably go two years without botox then my lines are gonna be harder to get rid of so it takes more when you come back to it
0: yep got it got it got it
1: kind of like waxing like if you ever get waxed and you keep getting waxed and your hair gets thinner and it's easier versus like if you haven't been waxed in two years and your hair's all coarse and there's like way too much of it anyway uh <laughs> you sound back and just like you're like <laughs> what uh i am qualify as like a over metabolizer so botox only mm. lasts on me for like two months which is not great for me because it Got takes it. a lot and it
0: goes away and it goes quickly. away faster so uh, it's, exp- have, expensive.
1: It's, it's an expensive habit my final thing and this is actually something i've been getting into as botox is getting expensive for me and i can't currently do it is if you want if you are not ready to dip your toe into the botox aesthetics pool yet um try face taping
0: face have you ever
1: heard like of a frownies wrinkle patch
0: uh no okay i have not
1: uh i will i have these ones from amazon they're called toot newt i'm definitely pronouncing that incorrectly it's T-O-U-T-E, space N-U-I-T. But they're basically facial patches you put on. You slap these babies on while you sleep. Like mm. there's one for your forehead or the crow's feet or like your smile lines, whatever. And it keeps you from moving your face while you're sleeping.
0: Interesting. Because okay. even though
1: you're moving your face while you're awake, it's really when you're squinting while you're sleeping that you're making the most damage because you're oh. sitting there squinting and you're not realizing that you're doing it. Got it. Um, so there are a lot of people who do that to either like bridge themselves to more time between their Botox, or who have gone totally natural and don't want to stick botulism, which is rat poison in their face, which is what Botox is. Uh, so they have gone to face taping. Another resource is um, on Instagram, Natural Face Bible. She does like kin- kinesio tape. Oh yeah! Instead of the patches, so you're saying I take, I take one of my thing, breathe right strips and yeah. Just <sharp> but pop you it have from. to be very consistent with it, and oh, y- you can see results. But you have to be good about it. So if you're if you're like I don't really want like inject poison into my forehead, or I'm not ready to be there yet, mm-hmm. face taping is also a great
0: it's great I'll, thing to do. I'll tell you what I you are the MVP of this episode. I, not that I could give a whole lot of input, but you are dropping knowledge
1: today i will say too though i think this is something girls worry a lot about i think guys getting botox like low-key changes kind of some of their demeanor like i think that <laughs> really? i think that there are guys walking around with like forehead lines and stuff that mm-hmm. like are probably self-conscious about it and then they get botox and you're like this fucking huh. rocks.
0: i'm i'm certainly not anti Botox. yeah I, I will look into i just i do i do have a pretty mean forehead line right there if you guys are looking also at it
1: should be said across the board the best anti-aging you can do is wear sunscreen mm-hmm. every, every single day. day and i just ordered some for will
0: mm-hmm.
1: because i was like you need to have a, a daily face but also people do not forget your arms especially your left side because it's like clinically proven that you are more likely to get skin cancer on the left side of your body driving because you're driving uh-huh.
0: And that is if wild. If you
1: live in Texas and the UV index is probably like plus 10, put sunscreen on the morning before you leave your house and then keep some in your work bag and put it back on when you're leaving mm-hmm. and driving home because you're going to be stuck in traffic for 30 minutes and your whole arm is just going to be baking and that's where you get melanomas.
0: Randy. Listen, Randy, you, you, you.
1: Okay. So invest in sunscreen. Capisce? Next um, final question yeah let's
0: do the let's do the last one
1: okay tips for a napa trip where do you fly in how do you get to it slash around places to stay budget-friendly ideas
0: last one's tough
1: okay well i literally <laughs> just went to napa like two you did. weeks ago looked uh, like looked
0: like a terrible time
1: <laughs> i had a cold the whole time so oh, it's no. not and i was pregnant i am pregnant uh-huh. so it was like is Going to Napa when you're pregnant the best time.
0: Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's the best, but it's not it can't be the
1: it's still not yeah. it's still Napa. It's beautiful. Uh literally Will and I were driving around and you're in the Napa Valley, you're like, I forgot how beautiful this place mm-hmm. is.
0: Um start by saying you fly into either San Francisco or Oakland, I guess are the two
1: so spots. San Francisco, Oakland. I actually had fam- some of my family flew into San Jose, it's oh about yeah. Uh, yeah, thirty minutes further. But mm-hmm. you're probably renting a car in general to get to Napa, or having someone pick you up, and so the extra thirty minutes, like, I oh you can go Sacramento too, come down. yeah, you can do, you can do Sacramento too. So mm. there's actually a lot of places to fly. Uh, there are some airlines that will fly into like Sonoma or Napa County.
0: Really, that'd yes. be dope
1: for like sure, big it's zero dollars, yeah, right. But honestly, I found it easier. We have flown into San Francisco before, like SFO. I thought flying into Oakland was easier. Mm, okay. Uh, caveat, people. San Francisco's not the sa- San Francisco metro area. Not so safe right now. Okay. Correct. When we rented a car, the girl was like, "Do not leave anything in the car." And then I was like, oh, we're going to Napa. And she was like, okay, that's fine. But Mm -hmm. if you stop anywhere before Napa, do not leave anything in the car. Your car will get stolen or broken into or carjacked, like Mm -hmm. straight up. People do not care. So PSA: just be aware of your surroundings and don't be a target. Um, Any of those airports, easy to fly into, I thought – renting a car was easy because we were like leaving to go to lunch and stuff again i also was driving cuz i was pregnant mm-hmm. but if you are going to go on a lot of wine tours and have someone drive you then maybe just getting a ride from yeah. the airport to like an uber
0: right i think you do you could do that i think the the popular move obviously is to get a sprinter van or some sort of group right. vehicle
1: spe- like a lot of drivers if yeah, you're you getting have, a driver you have one, right don't you have a yes tiba the bodyguard Teba. Uh if you are doing a getting a driver for wine tours anyway, a lot of times they will also can help you arrange an airport pickup. Oh, there you go. So then you don't have to worry about it. Cause the rental car can be expensive. And then obviously parking at the mm-hmm. hotel or wherever is if you have it in a hotel is expensive. Um this last time we stayed at Stanley uh ranch, Auberge property. So nice, really beautiful in South Napa. So you kind of can like pop between the two. Here's the issue. People think that like they're going to go to Napa and they can also do Sonoma and like do Napa. Mm. It's a very expansive area. And you've got to like kind of think about where you're going to be at because – I, the first time I went, I was like, "Oh, we're gonna like go to this place in Calistoga, which is, like pretty north, and then we're gonna go to Scribe in Sonoma, and like those are that's like an hour away from each other. Got it. So okay. if you're planting vineyards, like pick some that are all in the same
0: planted like in a line, right? right? Or you're just like, okay, we're gonna hit this like ridge,
1: and again, that's like where some. having a driver can pay off because they usually a have relationships with certain vineyards mm-hmm. and can like help you get in, and b we'll be like that's freaking way off the beaten path.
0: Yeah. Um or their wine
1: sucks, Yeah. Uh we the first time we ever went, we did four tastings per day for two days. So we did eight total tastings. That's probably way too much. Mm-hmm. I think 2 to 3 is a sweet spot. Uh we tend to stick the times I've gone, we've done a lot of private vineyards. I think that that's like a more uh, specialized experience because you, for the most part, are like getting one person who's hanging out with you, who's like giving you the whole tour and you're probably one of like 20 to 40 people there on the vineyard property itself. Okay. Absolutely going to public places is not an issue at all, mm-hmm. but you're not going to get as much of like a tailored boutique experience. Sure. Um. I could throw out vineyard names here. But I'm not going to, because I think that that is very specific to people's tastes. Most of the time in Napa, you're going to get lots of red and probably whatever their, like, white Chardonnay blend is. Sure. Uh, if you are a big Bubbles person, then, like, obviously hit up, like, Chandon or um, Schramsberg. But those are, like, specific spots. Sure. Um Here's the bad news. I would not say that Napa, in my opinion, is a budget friendly place to go
0: i don't I don't think you can really do it yeah budget friendly
1: i it is it's an expensive trip. I think it's a trip that's worth taking. I think there are ways to save money like you don't need to go stay at, like the most expensive hotel sure, but it's all around expensive to stay there. A lot of times the houses and Airbnbs are expensive to stay at. Mm-hmm. It costs money to get a driver or a rental car. Most tastings are going to cost you money unless you're a member of the wine club itself, which already is an expense. But like, if you're going in and doing a tasting, the only time you're doing it for free is if you're buying wine. So you're not really doing it for free because you're buying wine. Sure. Uh, so we, the places we went The first time I went, we either got in because we knew somebody or somebody was a member of the wine club we were with or whatever. Um, The places that we went where we didn't know somebody and it wasn't like a no one bought wine, they expect you to Mm -hmm. or to join the wine club. Mm -hmm. And Napa wine is expensive. Oh, yeah. When Will and I went to Italy, we were like, we are not buying any wine and then we found out like the most expensive bottle was like 40 dollars i was like (laughs) syndicate's home napa though like here's our like cheapest bottle it's 90 dollars you're like oh shit like so budget for that too Mm -hmm. um i personally feel like i haven't done sonoma so i can't speak to sonoma but i've had friends who like have lived in sonoma love sonoma scribe has like a huge cult following is really fun place to hang out all day but i think um The towns of, like, Yonville and St. Helena Mm -hmm. are, like, the cutest. Because there's Napa's south. Okay. And then you kind of go north up into the valley. So you hit, like, Yonville, St. Helena, Calistoga, all the way up going into, like, Healdsburg. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: you're crushing this i'm looking at the uh, map right now
1: thank you so much also healdsburg is super cute but like the little towns are cute so if you can get a little airbnb you can like ride a bike around there it's really fun um but there's some really cool hotels i shouts to stanley ranch had like a great time there um we were like the furthest vineyard we went to was probably 45 minutes away and even then you're like driving 45 minutes like in a beautiful valley Mm -hmm. yeah i took the uh the hotel courtesy car convertible saw so you had some fun and had that. myself a little day because <laughs> that they, we went to two and i skipped the first one i was like mom is gonna nap mm-hmm. and then i was like this is gonna be really depressing to like take this toyota corolla like when i could take the like the supercharged like, mercedes amg the <laughs> mercedes amg with the top down yeah, yeah and yeah. so i did that And I had myself
0: some fun. I mean, but also, would have still been
1: great in my Toyota Corolla, but Mm -hmm. it was way better in the the convertible. That makes sense. Um, Last tip about Napa. We... uh, Amazing food all around. Also expensive meals, but some amazing restaurants. The ones that we hit up, we went to Press one night, we went to Charter Oak, both places I love. Um, There's great restaurants. I mean, you can go full-blown french laundry like do the three michelin stars that's gonna Mm -hmm. cost you a shit ton of food but you're really not gonna like get bad food no one thing we did was between tastings we got gotts roadside which is like a really famous hamburger place okay i regret it i mean gotts Mm. is amazing okay but if you're doing wine tastings they offer you like most of the time like food cheese boards etc and then you're like why did i pick up lunch because we we went and got lunch, and then the next place we went and had a tasting. I'm not kidding. Like the size of this table, ginormous charcuterie board. And we were all like, we're too full. We've all had burgers. Ugh, so when you're booking tastings, maybe just ask, like, hey, are you like, gel serve anything? Because there's always the option of like, I'm starving. Let's go get a burger. But like, don't go out of your way to plan a lunch if they're going to be giving you meats, cheeses, bites all day. Yes. in my opinion
0: there's also a domino's pizza off uh 121 in south jefferson near downtown <gasps> napa if that's your if that's your thing end of a long day of wine tasting i don't know just saying yeah <laughs> oh, that's... oh and hit
1: up at the bodyguard if you need a driver there you
0: go. uh if you want to do something more budget friendly uh may maybe consider paso robles which is farther Honestly, south
1: but california has great wines yeah Oregon has great wines. I mean, there's everywhere in the country has wine areas. Well, Texas
0: wine, Freder- Fredericksburg.
1: Is it great? We I've, don't never, been. But you I've can never been. St- but Napa is expensive. So just know that it's going to be an expensive trip.
0: Uh, that makes sense. Um, Sally, that's going to do it for us today. We were trying to have a, a, a tight episode. We did not do that.
1: We didn't. We, we did went not. over and we didn't even answer one of the questions. That's true. That's true. Sorry.
0: Well, thank you uh, for listening out there. Please subscribe, rate, five stars, review. And tell a friend about the show. Hit the hotline number 888-362-M-A-I-L. That is 888-362-6245. Or write it in at the link in the Twitter bio at mail Podcast. Sally, where can the folks find you?
1: Sally DeFreeze on Instagram and Twitter.
0: I am Brett Merriman at Schmerriman on both of those platforms. And we'll see you guys next week.
1: Bye.